Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. My name's Anthony Kent, and it's a real thrill to welcome you to today's program. Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a volunteer in your local church, Ministry in Motion is for you. Welcome. Our special guest today is Pastor Derek Morris. Derek, you're no stranger to the, the viewers on Hope Channel. Welcome along. Thanks so much, Anthony. And I always love to talk about how to prepare and deliver powerful sermons. In fact, going around the world, that, that's a, a hard cry, not only from pastors, but from lay leaders who are called to preach a sermon. How do I go about doing that? Exactly. So I think this will be a really helpful presentation for them. Now, we want to cover 12 steps with you, uh, how somebody prepares a sermon and delivers it. Now, let's just jump right in. What's, when you're asked to speak, Derek, where do you go? What do you do? Well, let me tell you the mistake I made early in ministry, and that was scurrying around trying to find something to say. Mm -hmm. I think that's not the right answer. I also sometimes would start writing a sermon before I should and would end up having to throw it away and start again. Step one, if you're going to be a powerful biblical preacher, is to select your preaching passage. So whether I'm going to tell a story like the story of uh, David and Goliath, I go to that passage in 1 Samuel. Or if I'm going to study um, what Paul says about baptism in Romans chapter 6, I choose that passage. So that's the first step. The length of the passage will be determined by how much time you have to speak and how deep you want to go into the text. Mm -hmm. But step one is to find that preaching passage. Now, the, the selection of it, is it a random thing or is it something that's come out of your devotional life? How do you actually make that selection? John Stott, has, uh, he talks about four factors for choosing a uh, preaching passage in his book, Between Two Worlds. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says one is personal, and that is you're reading your Bible and you come across a, a passage, maybe a text or a, a passage of Scripture, and it really impacts you. It speaks to your heart. That's a great reason to say, I'm going to prepare a powerful message, illustrate it from my life, uh, from the lives of people around me, and that's a great reason, mm -hmm. personal. Second, mm -hmm. he says, is um, what he would call pastoral or the need of the church. So whether I'm the pastor there or a lay member in the church asked to speak, if I see a real need in the church, for example, we're going through um, uh, an economic downturn and people are struggling uh, to make ends meet, I might want to talk about trusting God through the hard times of life. Mm. So a pastoral is the second reason we might. Then we choose a passage that's related to that need. Thirdly, uh, John Stott says, is something happening in society. Right. You know, I think of a, a famine or a, a terrorist attack. You can't ignore that if everyone else is thinking about it, or you, should I say you shouldn't. So I might choose a passage that deals with what the society is going through. Uh, weeping may endure for a season, but joy comes in the morning and talk about that passage and what it means. And the fourth one is a seasonal, a seasonal factor. It's uh, the Christmas season or the time we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, it would be uh, inappropriate to ignore that season. So these are four factors, Stott says, personal, pastoral, societal, and, and seasonal that might influence my choosing of the passage. Thanks, Derek. That's helpful. So that's the selection. The second step, I presume you, you, you've got your passage. Now it's time to dig, well, dig and, into that passage. And again, I would just start writing. It's like, no, no, you can't write yet. You've got, if you're going to be a biblical preacher, 
you need to study that passage and gather your notes. Mm -hmm. You're not going to use them all. You can use uh, the original uh, Greek or Hebrew if you can read that, or you can take a, a lexicon, look up words, concordances can help you. You can look in a commentary, though I would rather go and actually study the primary text before I read other people's comments about it. But I'm studying the passage, gathering notes. That's, that's kind of the excavation mm -hmm. stage, like a miner mm -hmm. looking for treasure. And I would say, typically, I would spend at least a quarter of my preparation time. If I would spend and you can decide how much time you want to spend, but I want to spend at least a quarter of that time before I ever start thinking about writing anything, just digging into the text. What does it mean? What are the key words here? What geographical references are there that I need to look up? Uh, and is this just studying the text itself or commentaries and books about the text? I think it's the studying in general. Okay. Yeah. And, and I know I'm not going to use all of that. Mm -hmm. If I try to, I will give people indigestion, yeah. like th trying to pour a five-gallon bucket into a small cup. But out of that, I like to call it an adventure because mm -hmm. I love studying the Bible. Out of that adventure, and I'm praying the whole time I'm doing this, I'm going to discover precious truth that will lead me to the third step in this process. But I, I never want to shortcut that second step of studying the passage, gathering notes, because I want to proclaim what the Word says and not just a superficial reading of it. Exactly. So when you're studying, I presume that you're looking for something in particular, and that's the key point, is that right? That's right. What, what some might call the big idea of the mm -hmm. text. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, I need to find out what that is. Now, in a short verse, it's obvious. God is love. Well, the big idea is subject is what is God like? And the complement is his love. So, but what if I'm looking at a whole chapter or a whole book? Then I have to ask the same question. What's it talking about and what's it saying about that? Um, case in point, maybe uh, I take a chapter in um, the book of Daniel. Mm -hmm. And I take Daniel chapter 2. Uh, that history is unfolding and what, what, what purpose or plan is there to it? And, and, and I discover that, that God is ruling over history and unfolding the plan. So as I look at that whole chapter, I'm coming up with this big idea that there is a God in history who is overseeing uh, the unfolding of human history. Right. So once I've got that, uh, I, I'm really quite a way along in my preparation time. I may have spent several hours getting to that point, mm -hmm. and I actually have a, a whole chapter in my book, Powerful Biblical Preaching, about finding that ex, what we call exegetical idea or the big idea. But if you've ever listened to a sermon and you don't know what people are saying, that's because they haven't found the big idea. So right. we've got to find that. Okay. So we've covered three of the 12 steps so far. First, select the passage. Two, study it and gather, gather notes. And the third find the big idea of the passage. That's right. We'll be back exploring the other nine steps in this process. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is preparing and delivering powerful biblical sermons. And our guest is Derek Morris. Derek, we've got... 12 steps that we're moving through. We've covered three. We're up to step number four. Tell us and, all and, about and that. And it's taken a while to get there, but it, that will make the rest of the process uh, easier. 
Because now, if I'm a biblical preacher, I found this gem, this precious treasure in the text, what we would call the big idea of the text. Okay, that was step three. That was step three. Step right. four now is I have to craft that into the preaching idea. That's the one idea I want my hearers to remember from okay. the sermon. So this is their take-home point. When this they, is their take-home point. When they yep. sitting down for lunch afterwards. What did the preacher say? Yeah. Well, she said, and then here's the sentence. Mm. Or he said, and here's the sentence. Right. Sometimes that can be exactly the same wording as the big idea of the text. For example, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Mm -hmm. That's the big idea of Matthew 7, verse 12. It also can be the big idea of your text because it's a universal principle. But most of the time, I've got to take the big idea of the text and make it contemporary. And I've also got to make it personal. And I've got to make it memorable. It may not sound that memorable the way I dug it out of the text. So, for example, uh, not only did Moses tell Joshua to be strong and of good courage because God was with him, big idea of the text. But you, now it's personal, you see, this is the preaching idea. You can be strong and of good courage because God is with you. Okay, let me give you another example to make sure I'm following correctly. In John 2, the the wedding at Cana, Jesus changes the the water to wine. Mm -hmm. The the takeaway application we can take from that is that God can change me. Possibly, though that's uh, kind of reading into the text a little bit. Right. uh, Because John wrote his gospel so people would believe that Jesus is the Christ. Mm -hmm. This is the first miracle. It says they went away after that believing in him. Mm -hmm. So rather than kind of read into the text that he, he can change my life. Okay. I want to say that there are many evidences that Jesus is indeed the Christ. Mm-hmm. And I could then in the sermon use some illustrations, and we'll come to that, that show not just water into wine, but other ways that he has shown in the scriptures and in your life or mine that he is indeed the Christ. Right. That would okay. stay closer to the big idea of the okay. text. All right. Thanks. Okay. So that's the fourth point. The fifth point is determining your purpose. And, you know, at first I didn't really understand that because I thought, well, my purpose is to preach the sermon because mm-hmm. that's what I was asked to do. But, but what I'm getting at here in the step five is what are you trying to accomplish? So, for example, you use the illustration of John 2, mm-hmm. that, that there are many evidence that Jesus is the Christ. But is my purpose to prove to people that he is the Christ or to help them who already believe to apply this to their lives and say, tell me in your life today, what are some of the many evidences where Christ has shown that he is indeed who he claimed to be? Do you see the one is more of an application? Mm -hmm. The other one is more, folks, you've not heard who he is, but I'm going to demonstrate that from this story, Jesus is indeed more than just another good teacher. So am I trying to explain the text to prove it or to apply it? It's kind of like an, an archer with an arrow wanting to hit the target, but I don't tell him where the target is. Mm. Well, he'll never hit it. Yeah. Once I know where the target is, then I, I'm more likely to hit it. And that's particularly important in your conclusion because I'm going to appeal to them to respond to the focus of the sermon. Right, okay. So we're up to our sixth point now. All right, we're motoring through, we're halfway. And that's the selecting the, the form of the sermon. 
And let me just say this. At first, it may sound overwhelming to have so many steps. But actually, if you have a working methodology, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it just makes it so much easier. Because you say, okay, I've chosen my passage. I've studied it. I found the big idea of the text. I've crafted that into a contemporary, memorable preaching idea. And I know I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish here is to cause people to something. All right? right. So now, what's the shape of my sermon? And um, there are... I'll just share a few examples. For example, I could uh, pose a problem in society, violence in the streets. And then that's the problem. And then obviously the Bible will give a solution, right. um, a changed heart, mm -hmm. uh, peace so I don't retaliate when someone does me wrong, or Jesus, love your enemies. Problem, solution. Uh, another one would be not this, but this. These are sermon forms. Don't be conformed to this world. Romans 12, 2, but be conformed. Excuse me, that's not right. Don't be conformed, but be transformed mm -hmm. through the renewing of your mind. So a contrast. Even in a narrative, and narrative sermons are very popular today, uh, people throughout the ages have loved to hear stories. Stories also have structure to them. Take, for example, the story of David and Goliath. First part of the story just a shepherd boy taking care of his sheep, having to fight off a few lions and bears, right? Mm -hmm. Second part of the story, going down uh, to take food to his brothers and being kind of ridiculed by his brothers that he's really not that great, and even by King Saul, who says, well, I don't know if you could do this. Third part of the story is this amazing courage of saying, how can you defy the, the living God, mm -hmm. you know, and going boldly to, to fight Goliath? So... There, there is um, structure to the sermon. So I'm not just wandering around, oh, and I want to share a thing about this or a thing about that. Um, an idea explained is another sermon form. Kind of unfolds, let not your heart be troubled. And then you find these three reasons. You believe in God, you can believe in me. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again to receive you to myself. So I'm looking at the text and seeing what form or structure will help me to convey that single big preaching idea that I want to share. Okay. So once you've settled on the form, then it's time for another step. And what's that step? Well, I can't just say the main idea. For example, um, if you honor God, he'll honor you, Daniel chapter 1. I, I can't just say that a hundred times to fill up the 30 minutes. So I've got to now fill out the sermon. Well, obviously, if I'm preaching from Daniel 1, I, I want to share the story. Mm -hmm. But then I might ask, is there a, another story from Scripture that would show that when we determine we'll honor God, that he'll honor us? And, and one might come to your mind. I, I may also think about a, an illustration. I, I think of a, a, maybe a story of someone who's gone through a very difficult time. I thought of Pastor uh, Montero, mm. for example, in, a pre, in a, a, another program we've done, where he really determined to honor God, and, and God honored him. Yeah. So I'm now looking at fill, filling in the supporting material, but all the time I'm choosing it based on what that single preaching idea is that I want to communicate. Okay, all right. Now we've covered seven of the points. Let's just remind ourselves of what those seven are. Okay. okay. First one, select the biblical passage. That's right. All right. Two, study it and take notes. All right. Three, discover the, the, the big idea, the main idea. Of the text. Of the text. Right. The fourth one is? Craft the preaching idea. That's the contemporary statement of that. Right. Okay. 
Then the fifth one is? The target. What am I really trying to accomplish? Maybe in this sermon, just to explain, later I'll talk about application, or maybe I'm wanting to do some of both. Right. Coming to the sixth one, that's the form that it takes. Right. All right. And the seventh one? Looking for supporting material, text, illustrations that help support and, and drive home that main idea. Terrific. Okay. So you've been asked to speak. We're working through how you craft that sermon. We'll be right back with the, the next steps right after this break. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is preparing and delivering powerful biblical messages. And our guest is Derek Morris. Derek, we've covered seven of the 12 steps in this sermon preparation. Lead us into the eighth step, please. And let me just say that someone else might have a different method. But most people, if you don't have a method at all, say, could you give me the steps that would be helpful? Yeah. And that's what we've been walking through. And finally, step eight, I say finally, because mm -hmm. it's developed the introduction. Now, that's what some people start with. But why is that a fatal mistake? Answer, if I'm introducing the sermon, but I don't know what the big idea of the sermon is yet, how do I know how to introduce it? You can head off in the complete wrong direction. If I don't yeah. know what my target is, what am I trying to accomplish? I can head off in the wrong direction. And, and so it's really important that I've got this main idea. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. I know what my sermon form is because the purpose of the introduction is threefold. Mm -hmm. That is to capture the attention, yes. to connect with a felt need. So, for example, we're talking about happy homes. And I tell a story maybe about a happy or an unhappy home and say, you know what? We have needs in our homes too, don't we? Yeah. And people go, that's right. Someone starts talking. We say, shh, be quiet. I need to hear this. Felt need. And then introduce the body of the sermon. Whether I'm telling them the whole idea or just the subject, one is deductive and one is inductive methodology, really doesn't matter. At least by the end of the intro, they know what the sermon theme is going to be about. Mm. So I've caught their attention, connected with a need in their life, and, and introduce the body of the sermon. If I can do that, uh, I've, I've crafted an effective introduction. Right, okay. Now, the importance of the conclusion shouldn't be overlooked as well, and that's our next step, isn't it? That's right. In fact, yeah. the introduction and the conclusion, uh, in terms of the time they're, they're spent with them, are way more important than, than the, the body of the sermon. Because mm. if, if they don't start listening, it's over. I, yeah. I, I've, yeah. I failed. But if they're listening and they've heard the, the main idea of the sermon, the preaching idea, now I've got to, to land, land the plane, if you will, mm. if we use a flying technique. Yeah. And, and in that conclusion, I'm going to summarize the main moves. So if it was, we've got a problem here and here's the biblical solution, or we notice these three reasons why our heart shouldn't be troubled, or we've noticed not to be conformed, but be transformed. So I'm summarizing. I'm applying it to the lives of the hearers and saying, so we've heard, here's how we can allow God to transform us by His Spirit. And then I'm going to, thirdly, call them to respond. And here's where some people are a little timid. They say, oh, does everybody have to walk forward? No, there's lots of ways. Raise your hand, invite you to kneel down where you are and just pray to God in response. Fill out a little card if you'd mm -hmm. like some. There's a lot of ways. Open your heart. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, stand up. You know, do something 
it's a, it, I'm calling them to implement what they've heard. Mm. That's the conclusion, step nine. Right, okay. Now, a manuscript. Um, that's our tenth step, birthing a manuscript. And I use the verb birthing because when a person's wanting, a woman is about to give birth, they're not like, let's do this slow and get it perfect. Uh, it's just, let's get this baby out. Mm -hmm. um, I've put so much work into one through nine steps. I'm just going to allow the manuscript to come. I'm not trying to write it perfectly because I'm going to come to step 11. I'm just going to get down on paper because I know what my main moves are, how I'm going to introduce and conclude, and the single powerful thought. I may be able to write that whole sermon manuscript in one or two hours. Right. Uh, I'm not writing it like an article for publication because I'm coming to step 11, but I need to get it down on paper. That will test the structure, see if I need to fill in some gaps. That will help me to kind of get a visual picture of where I am. Okay. So the, the manuscript, it's, it's not for publication. It's for your eyes only, so to speak. And I'm, I may not, though some great preachers take a manuscript into the pulpit with them. Some just take an outline, condense back down. Some go without notes. But I'm certainly not going to read that. Mm. There's something in step 11 that is vitally important. Tell us. I need to internalize that message. I need to internalize it. And I do that by walking through the sermon, almost like a tour guide. Okay, I've got these three or blessings that come, or let's take 1 John 1, 9, uh, two results of confessing our sins. He'll forgive us, first result, and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I walk through, okay, these are the two main results of confession, and, and then I'm going to appeal to them to, to say, so I want to encourage you, if there's something you thought God couldn't forgive, here is an opportunity. Mm. So I'm walking through it like a tour guide. I want to do that, Anthony, at least five times before I preach it. When I stand up to preach, I'm just walking through it one more time. And it's just like coming out from the inside rather than off the paper. It's familiar territory. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, while you're preaching, what are you doing? Step 12. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, again, sometimes overlooked, but because I'm not, when I'm preaching, trying to just pull words off of the paper, I want to be listening. I want to be listening to God, most of all. What are you listening for? Well, God can bring conviction to my mind. You know, bring that additional Bible text in or that story. But There's a lot of young people here today. Bring that story. I know what the main idea is, but, but these additional insights. Or I, 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 want you, I want you to focus on this person who came in because they've never been in church before. The Spirit's guiding in a very dynamic way. Mm -hmm. So I'm listening to God, but I'm also listening to my audience. Mm -hmm. I listen to their verbal responses when they say amen mm -hmm. or um, explain that to me. Someone might shout out, you know, mm -hmm. I want to make it clear. I'm also listening to their nonverbal communication. Yeah. If they're leaning forward and looking at me, I know they're listening. If they're fidgeting, I probably need to add some more yeah. energy to the presentation. So I'm listening to God and them. And the goal is very simple, Anthony. I want to make it simple. Drive home that single preaching idea in a life-changing way. Okay. So that's our 12 steps. Just in a matter of seconds, let's just list them, Derek. Okay. First one is select the passage. The second point is dig into the passage, study it and make notes. Third point, discover the big idea. Fourth point? Preaching idea. That's the contemporary statement. Okay. The fifth point? Target. Okay. Hit the target. Yep. All right. And the sixth one? Structure of your sermon. 
All right. And the seventh? Fill it out with illustrations and supporting materials. Right. And the eighth? Introduction. And then the conclusion. Conclusion. The birth the manuscript. Internalize it. And then listen as you preach. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Derek. Wow, that's a lot to jam into one program. <laughs> if you'd like to know more about this, I'd like to highly recommend powerful biblical preaching. We're happy to give the first 50 viewers who email us, feedback at ministryinmotion.tv. Send us your name, your address, and the first 50 viewers will take great pleasure in sending you a complimentary copy. But until next time, may God richly bless your ministry as you serve him and as you serve those around you. Until then, God bless you. Mm -hmm. 